Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. Hello, and welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hemmerker, and I'm so glad you joined me. This episode, you're going to hear about this month's new releases in Christian Romantic Suspense. I hope you will enjoy hearing from your favorite Romantic Suspense authors as they talk about the background of their latest books. Hi, and next up we have Kate Angelo, and she's going to be talking about her Christmas Romantic Suspense novella, Deadly Holiday Hijack. So welcome to my show, Kate. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yes, <clears throat> we're going to talk about the holiday that gets hijacked. I love that. <laughs> Alliteration. Yes, so, this is a fun book. So first we're going to talk about your heroine. Um, it, does she have a pet? And if she, Or if she wanted a pet, what would it be and what would you call it? Yeah, so Deadly Holiday Hijack is a novella in the Christmas in the Crosshairs collection. Um, it's a anthology from the Elite Guardians. And uh, when we wrote the original series, um, our publisher asked us to hold back their, um, you know, their, their weddings and their engagement so that we could do a Christmas novella where these things happen. And so, um, so my heroine has a pet, kind of, which is the main one of the main characters, I guess, in um, Driving Force, which is Boss. And he is a retired military working dog. And so, um, so we've kind of, so I have hinted a little bit, and it, it doesn't happen in this book, but if she could have a pet, she, wanted, she would want to have another um, Belgian Malinois, just like Boss. And um, I'm not sure what she would name him, maybe like El Jefe or something, so that it would be like another <laughs> variation on Boss's name. But um, but definitely um, kind of hints around about having, you know, another, like they might need another dog to bring into their life. So, um, so Boss is in Christmas in the Crosshairs, Deadly Holiday Hijack, and, um, and he's also in Driving Force. And I say he's one of the main characters because people told, uh, told me that he's like, is one of their favorite characters in the book, and it's a dog. So yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah. Pe- people love people love their dogs. So um, yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your hero's greatest fear in this story? So the hero's greatest fear in this story is that um, he had a surgery that was um, going that was hopefully it was experimental and would hopefully um, give him the ability to walk again because he's in a wheelchair and. Um, he, his greatest fear is really that even though Christina has said she would marry him and that she loves him um, and that they've been together, that maybe because the surgery hasn't worked, that she hasn't set a date for their wedding and that maybe it's because he can't walk. And so mm-hmm. they haven't really talked about it and he's afraid to broach it because he really doesn't want to uncover it in case that's true and then they have to really dig through all of that. And so um, so really his greatest fear is that she won't want to marry him because he still can't walk. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Way to create that tension. Very good. So, <laughs> let's, let's talk about your villain in this story. Who or what does your villain love the most? So the villain in this story, um, he really loves power and he loves himself. Um, he takes over the church and um, and holds everyone hostage and demands that uh, the government does what he wants. And so... Um, so they're having a Christmas pageant, and and then this guy takes over the whole church, and really it's because of his own narcissistic views and what he wants, and then he has like some underlying um, motives, but really it's you know he he just loves himself and loves power, and um, his power got corrupted along the way, and so um, now he just he wants to get the upper hand again, and this is how he does it. Yeah, um, so it sounds like this one of your um, settings is in a church, but is there another challenge you had to writing the book within this particular setting? Um, so the whole thing does take place in the church, um, and the big challenge is that um, describing a church, um, if you've ever been into, uh, this is like a mega church, and so uh, trying to describe it uh, with all the, you know, how they can be circular and, you know, you can kind of run from from one place to another in a big circle um, because the, the, hall, the hallways tend to um, connect back. And so describing it was one thing, but also um, just keeping, like, there wasn't a lot of room for them to, to go. And um, in this book, the um, I think also my biggest challenge was trying to make sure that I didn't cause fear for anyone who goes to church um, mm. that, you know, and that, that really was something that was like on my mind is like, if I write about something like this, is anyone, it's really, it's a little over the top, I think. But if, if I write about this, is anyone ever going to have a fear like that, that someone could take over the church and bring in a bunch of mercenaries and lock everybody down? Um, and so, uh, so I think that was one of the challenges is making sure that I was handling it in a way that, um, that made sure that um, we showed that there was lots of security on on site as it was, and then definitely some people coming to help, coming to rescue. Mm. And so that, you know, so why did you decide that this was the story you needed to tell? What was the genesis behind so, this particular tale? Yeah, this one kind of started with um, we had some fun discussions about it, but honestly, it was one. Um, the church that we were attending has a lot of security and it's a mega church. Um, you know, they have multiple services with thousands of people in every service. And, um, and so there's lots of security. And um, I saw one of the security guys walking by and he was a little bit older and um, you would not what you would think would be like able to take down, you know, a mercenary train tactical mercenary, you know, and so it was like, what would happen if something, ha you know, something happened in this church, and there, all these people were here, and they only had a few people who were doing security, like, what could happen, and so that's when I really got that idea, and then, um, and they've kind of called it, like, Die Hard in a Church, the movie, um, mm -hmm. except for yeah. not, not exactly that, but it is, like, you know, a Christmas, part, a Christmas pageant, and then it gets taken over, and everybody gets trapped inside the church, and so, and the whole thing is live streamed. 
So, um, so it's kind of like a little hometown version of a diehard Christmas movie. <laughs> but no Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> no Bruce Willis. No bad. No bad words. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. G, more PG rated, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, good, good. Whew, we're all relieved about that. So, so let's end our discussion on Deadly Holiday Hijack by, by you sharing what one thing that you want readers to know about this particular novella. Well, I think that you're really going to love it. It is just fast-paced action, and it introduces two um, characters that will be in the next series, uh, the next book that is coming out um, in the spring of 2024, which will be another Elite Guardian series where we get to see some new Elite Guardians in a new city, and they have um, a whole new set of um, issues and problems and a whole new team dynamic and everything. And so so it'll kind of build into that book that comes out next year. So it's... a fun read, and just I love Christmas stories, so um, so I think you'll really like it. Yeah, yeah, Christmas novellas, they're, they're definitely fun to write. So thanks for sharing about yours today, Kate. Yeah, thank you so much. And you can get more information about it on my website at kateangelo.com. And you can find that information um, in our notes for this podcast, I think. So two places thank to you. find it. Yes, you're welcome. Great. And now we're going to talk with Carrie Trumbo with her latest romantic suspense, Deadly Yellowstone Secrets. So welcome to my show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're going to start with your heroine. And what did she want to be when she grew up? And did she actually become that person? Um, Yes, actually. uh, She wanted to be a naturalist. She wanted to um, work out in the wild and, and, you know, basically have a science job, a STEM job, and use her brain. She's very, very proud of the fact that she's a smart woman and and a wilderness woman, and that is exactly what she became. She is a naturalist in Yellowstone National Park. Ah, cool. I love it when we can give our our, uh, characters that sense of fulfillment, although sometimes we want them not to do what they wanted to do. Because it adds to the story. But good for her. So let's switch over to your hero. And while we have strong manly men, sometimes they have fears. So what is your hero's greatest fear? Uh, My hero's greatest fear is that um, he will read people wrong, that uh, he will accept someone as a friend or as a partner, and that he will have gotten it wrong, that he um, won't know them as well as he thought he did. Ah, okay. Yeah, that can that, I can just see some of the conflict forming before our eyes here. Um, and then let's switch to our villains, our bad guys, our bad gals. Uh, who or what does your villain love the most? My villain loves his mom, um, broadly his family, but mostly his mom. Um, he would probably do anything for her. Um, he is a poacher. Um, won't go into like sure. total backstory because that would give away the the, the climax. But um, he does all of this for fame and for success, 
and for money, for endorsements. And, and in his mind, that means that he can take care of his mom. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, it's admirable to want to take care of our mothers, but probably shouldn't break the law to do it. Just, just put it out there. <laughs> put it out there. Probably not. So let's talk about the challenges of writing this particular story in this particular setting. Now, I'm going to go out on the limb here, Carrie, and say that this is set in Yellowstone. You are correct. <laughs> um, the challenge there is that I've never actually been there. Oh. I want to go. It's on my bucket list, but I have not been to Yellowstone. So I did a lot of uh, watching of videos, reading blogs, uh, especially of um, like former rangers. Um, I have a couple of friends who live in Yellowstone and who actually work, who, her husband works in Yellowstone um, year-round, and she was instrumental in writing this story because anytime I didn't know how uh, this a situation would play out or, or exactly where it should take place, I would call up my friend Peg and she'd, she would talk it through with me and and describe the whole scene and give me, like, street names and and everything. So that adds an authenticity that I couldn't have had on my own. Ah, yeah, I love it. I love it when we can phone a friend. Um, But hopefully you'll get there one day. One day. I want to. Really bad. (laughs) Especially after (laughs) writing this story, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So let's talk about kind of the what was the genesis of the story. What what got you started on this story? Okay, well, the story is, uh, the, the beginning scene um, is our heroine, uh, Tanela. She is following this bear. She, this particular bear is very famous in Yellowstone, in the story in Yellowstone, um, for having um, multiple offspring at a time. And she's just this really, really famous bear. And so Tanela is studying this bear. And in real life, in my real life, uh, there is a real bear like that that does not live in Yellowstone. Um, and I talk about it in, in the, there's a little letter in the back of the book that, that um, talks about um, the bear's called Mama, and there's a number, and I cannot remember the number, at, like, off the top of my head. Um, but she is in the um, the same region as Yellowstone, but not in Yellowstone mm. Park. She's in Wyoming. Um, okay. And she's a very prolific um, mama bear, and she's, like, one of the most photographed bears ever. Um her story is just amazing, and you can you can find out more about her online. I think you can even just type in Mama Bear, and you probably will get information on her. Ah, yeah, and I love it how we can use real real life stories to to color our to color our fiction stories. So we're right. we're almost out of time, Carrie. Um, so what is one thing you want readers to know about Deadly Yellowstone Secrets? Um. That it is really a book of my heart. I just I enjoyed writing every bit of it, and I'm excited for people to read it. And I hope that they love it as much as I do. Ah, that's great. Well, you heard it from the author. You're going to love this book. So thanks for being on my show, Carrie. <laughs> Thank you. And now we're talking with Robin Patton and her latest romantic suspense, Running to You. So welcome to my show, Robin. Hi, thanks for having me. 
So we're going to start with your heroine, and I love that you picked this question because I think it's just so much fun. What does she eat for breakfast? So this is a funny question for my heroine because she has amnesia. And so she, before, she's had, she doesn't remember anything for five years. So before, five years ago, she used to eat this big breakfast. And so she shows up at the hero's house, and of course, it's a long story. It's a whole book. But um, the next morning, they make this big breakfast, and she is sort of nibbling on her food, and she's hungry. So she asks real timidly, can I have some more? And they're like, um, yeah, like, why are you asking? And she has this almost visceral, like, fear of asking for more food, but she doesn't know where it comes from. So it's so interesting. So she's starving, but she's afraid to eat um, because of something that she doesn't really understand, which that was, like, that was fun to write because um, I, I had no idea why, why she was afraid right. to eat, but I just thought it would be a fun scene. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's great, and, you know, especially especially when, like you said in your book, where she has amnesia and she doesn't, didn't know why she, why she was that tentative, so yeah. um, let's switch to your hero. So what's his greatest fear? So my hero's greatest fear is rejection, and um, that kind of stems back from when he was a kid, because from his brother, you know, there was this whole dark moment story. Um but it's very interesting because he, you know, Eliza, the, the heroine, rejected him. She she broke up with him. Now, in her defense, it was kind of his fault. He was being a jerk. But um, but she just took off. So when she shows back up, he's like, I'm not going through this again. I've, I've been here and done this before, and she mm. left me. Um, but she doesn't remember that. She thinks they're still together. Um but so that's that's but that's his biggest fear. In fact, he has spent the last five years just making a lot of money, and he's like, you know what? Money is always the right size, it's always the right color, and it never rejects me. <laughs> so, that that's is sort of so his, uh, true, Robin. <laughs> yes, it's it's true. I, you know, it also doesn't love us back, so that's the problem. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's small small problem there. Um, exactly. So, Let's talk about your villain, since we're on the subject of love. Who or what does your villain love the most in this book? Oh, he loves himself. He is a total um, megalomaniac narcissist. He's got sort of a messiah complex, and so he thinks Mm. that he is the most special human being in the world. And he, like, takes advantage of all these women, but he really truly believes that he's helping them. And even if he's not, it doesn't matter because it's all about him. And he, he's, like, a little bit nuts. Um, but, wow. yeah, he doesn't – there's nothing in the world that he loves more than himself. Well, and that will get you into trouble more times than, mm-hmm. <laughs> than we can write about. <laughs> That's really. exactly right. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the setting. Um, it, okay. it sounds like you set it in a fictitious place because that's the question. One of the questions you picked. So why did you why did you base it? Um, what what did you base your your setting on? Yeah. So I actually I'm from New England, you know, and I've been writing stories that take place in New Hampshire for years. But I decided I went with my sister to Maine last year, and we were on the like in a gunquit, which is this little town mm-hmm. kind of in the southern part of Maine. And we went to a gunquit, and I was like, this is the cutest place. I was taking pictures everywhere, and I was like, I have got to set a story 
in a place like this. So it's not really that far down the coast. The place that um, I, my fictitious place is farther up closer to Portland. Um, so because it's a, I wanted it to be a little bit more rural. And, um, but yeah, it's, it just, this, the place was just so charming. And of course, Maine has that really um, rocky coastline that's just very mm-hmm. jagged and in and out. So there's lots of little secret places that you can, you can go up to, you know, to a certain place in a certain cove and no one can see you because it's so rocky and the rocks are going in and out of the coast. I don't know how to describe that better. But yeah. Um, yeah. so I just thought, oh, all sorts of bad things can happen on a coastline like this. Yeah. So, so that was my thought. And I couldn't wait then once I had been there to this little, to um, just, there's a little actual cove, real cove called Perkins Cove. It's in a gunquit. And I thought, I'm going to just make my little town look just like that. Ah, yeah, I love it. And then you can revisit it in your mind as you're writing, and that's almost as good as being there. (laughs) I know. Or actually visit it, which I would also like to go back. (laughs) Yes, yes, of course, of course. Um, So what about the genesis of the story? Where did this idea for running to you come from? You know, I had, I don't know how you get your stories, but sometimes I just will have an image in my head. And so the image that I got in my head was a woman knocks on a man's door in the middle of the night and throws herself in his arms as if they're together and they're not. And so I had no idea what, you know, what that was going to look like. But, you know, but that's how the story starts. She just sort of shows up at his door and then acts like, oh, thank God I found you. And he's like, why are you hugging me? Because they haven't seen each other for five years. So that was my... That was just that image. And then, of course, you know, when that happens, then you've got to figure out all the details <laughs> that go right. around to make that yeah. one image work. I wanted that image. Dang it. I was going to find a way to make it work. So that's where it's Yeah. Going. Yeah, no, no. I, I've had that happen before as well. So it's always yeah. fun when, the, when it actually works out and you can use exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't always. Yeah. Some, of the, some of the images it, are just not possible. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Just doesn't mm-hmm. always, but sometimes that's the idea that gives us to the book. So it's it's that's all good. Right. Exactly. So um, we're going to close our short time together with what's one thing you want readers to know about running to you? Well, you know, I I had never written an, an amnesia story before, and that's not always a trope that I love to read. But it was a blast to write, and um and and so anyway, it's got amnesia and it. It has second chance romance, which I also that is one of my favorite um, mm. tropes because it can be hard to make two people fall in love in a romantic suspense because they have to happen pretty fast. Like they're not going right. to be a six month books for the most part. Um, and then there's also a little secret baby. So I just love those tropes, and it's been fun. Uh, it was fun trying to make them all work together. So yeah, great. Well, thank you for sharing um, on my show today. Well, thanks for having me. And we're going to talk with Paige Edwards now about her new romantic assistance book, Skyfall. So welcome to my show, Paige. Thank you. So glad to be here, Sarah. Well, we are going to get started with the heroine like we always do. I'll have to have ladies first. Why did you pick this particular name for your heroine? And please tell us what it is. Okay, her name is Isla Montjoy. She's British. She's an English nurse. And the name Isla is very common over in the UK. And I needed a very common name for her because of 
things that transpire during the story. When the story opens, she has a uh, police officer boyfriend, and she needs to get away from him. Oh, that, that does sound yeah. like maybe a common name would be good. Now, my maiden name was Smith, and I was very glad to get rid of it, but it sure came in handy when one wanted to be anonymous. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> right. So let's switch to your hero. Um, now, we do like our men to be men, but sometimes they have fears like we all do. So what is your hero's greatest fear? Ben's greatest fear is his father started a multi-million dollar uh, construction company that builds hospitals and strip malls and things. And right before his father retires, he and his dad are on a climbing trip and he gets a phone call that someone has embezzled millions of dollars out of their accounts. And he is just devastated because He's the oldest son, and he is, like, Mr. Super Responsible, and now it looks like his father won't be able to retire. Oh, yeah. And that brings us to the villain, whether that's the villain and which story you're going to be in, because remember your heroine is trying to be anonymous here. Um, so what, who or what does your villain love the most? Because that's a great motivation. Yeah, well, we have two villains in this story, which is really Ooh. fun in the interconnect so I've got two stories going on but they do weave together but the main villain is a dirty cop in the UK he's in England and he feels kind of um, like there's no issue that he has with going after some of these people who get off through loopholes by uh, you know by exercising loopholes in the law Ah, so he, he, yeah, that's always a good, that's always a good motivation, I think. Uh, and so let's, you mentioned, you mentioned the UK, so um, you talk, let's talk about the setting. Is it set in the UK? Yeah, it starts there, and then to evade this dirty cop, she actually takes a job in Virginia. Ben's family is just over in Scotland climbing, uh, and so... They have a run-in, and she ends up taking a job over in Virginia to care for his father, who has an accident. Oh. Okay. And why why did you choose to have kind of an international story setting? Um, I am half Scottish, so um, we visit the UK annually, and I just love the country so much, and I wanted people to know more about its culture and its people, and yet. Um, just kind of let them see, you know, people from the U.K. as not just a great place to go visit for vacation, but understand them a little bit more. Ah, yeah. It's always always good. I love what the way we can use what we know in our stories. So let's talk about the genesis for the story. What gave you the, you know, what was the idea behind this? What gave you the idea behind this story? It was kind of two-pronged. Actually, my daughter had suffered some severe trauma, and the heroine in the story, she suffers some pretty severe trauma at the beginning, and how she works through it brings in a lot of Christian elements in the story. And also, some people at my church congregation, they go climbing all the time, mountain climbing. And I thought, mm. oh, that would be 
one. So let's see what I can do with these two things. So. Oh, I love that page because I, I think it's always fascinating how we come how we come up with ideas for our story, our stories. So thank you for sharing that. Let's let's close our short time together with let's give our readers kind of a tantalizing taste of your book. So what is Skyfall's tagline? Okay, it's a young British nurse flees the country after she uncovers her boyfriend's secret. Ooh, now that's very intriguing. So listeners and readers, I Skyfall is probably the book for you if you like that sounds good to you. So thank you for being on my show page. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for listening to the Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at Sarah Hammaker Fiction dot com.